I am preaching through Paul's letter to the Ephesians this year, and this is sermon number seven of, I don't know, we'll see. But what I do know is uh, these three sermons, the last two combined with today, have been sort of a series within a series. These three sermons about Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 10, have formed a nice trilogy about this rich text on what it means to be saved. Paul does an incredible job here to help us try to understand what it means to be saved. And uh, I would place this trilogy uh, up there with the best of them. You know, there's, there's trilogies like A New Hope, The Empire Strikes Back, and The Return of the Jedi. There's other ones like The Fellowship of the Ring, The Two Towers, Return of the King. Those are good. But I hope this trilogy means more to you. Um, because I, I, I hope that this trilogy has helped you to better understand your salvation. The titles of the three sermons of this trilogy are verses 1 through 3, I titled Our Old Condition, verses 4 through 7, Our New Position, and then verses 8 through 10 today, Our Full Salvation. And so, in case you're just tuning in for the first time today, it, it will be kind of like coming in at the Return of the Jedi. Uh, you will have missed a lot of the backstory. And since I don't have time to review fully this morning, let me encourage you to, to go back, listen, watch these last two sermons when you get a chance in order to have this complete picture. However, um, I will summarize the first two sermons in this way this morning. The message of the gospel is that the grace of our new position in Christ is greater than the disgrace of our old condition in sin. Isn't that good? You see, what Paul's doing here is he's encouraging us to put the disgrace of our old condition into the parentheses of our lives. Are you following me? Because some of you really need to hear this. Paul is encouraging us to not let the worst moment or your biggest failure define who you are. Instead, put it into the parentheses of your life and allow the main subject of this sentence, God in verse 4, to become the main subject of your life. Stop living from your old condition in sin and start living from this new position in Christ. 
Now, there's a lot more to those verses than that, but that's, that's a summary, short summary. There's, there's an old condition, there's a new position, and this morning in verses 8 through 10, where we're going to spend our time is our full salvation, our full salvation. These three verses here, verses 8, 9, and 10, provide a commentary for us on Paul's statement in verse 5. It is by grace you have been saved. What Paul does um, in verse 8 is he repeats this statement, and then he adds the phrase, through faith. So in these verses, Paul deals with what John Stott calls the three foundational words of the New Testament, salvation, grace, and faith. Now, last week, I started talking about the fullness of our salvation. Salvation is such a big word. We have a full salvation. Depending on the context, Paul will speak of salvation as a past event, a present event, and a future event. And I mentioned last week, here's how I keep it all straight in my mind. In the past, Salvation means deliverance from the penalty of sin. In the present, salvation means deliverance from the power of sin. And in the future, salvation means deliverance from the presence of sin. So we have a full salvation. So what about here in the context of Ephesians chapter 2? How does Paul talk about salvation here? Now, Uh, My NIV 84 uh, that I have here in front of me translates verse 8 in this way. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. With this statement about salvation, well, the verb tense here uh, used by Paul is actually called the present perfect continuous. This tense is actually a combination of the present tense and the perfect tense, and speakers will use this combined tense to emphasize that something that began in the past is still continuing in the present with no end in sight. A great example of this tense is, I might say, it's been raining for hours. Started a while back. It's happening as we speak, and it's not going to end anytime soon. Another example of this tense, I might say, I've lived here all my life. Lived here in the past. I still live here in the present, and I plan to be here in the future. This is the tense of the verb that Paul uses here in Ephesians 2. So when he says, for it is by grace you have been saved, he's referring to this full salvation, one that started in the past, continues into the present, it's not going to end anytime soon. This is what I mean when I say that we have a full salvation. We were delivered from the penalty of sin. We're being delivered from the power of sin. We will be delivered from the presence of sin. It's a full salvation. Yet, 
Salvation is an action that I think many Christians think about incorrectly. As I've talked with others about salvation, and as I've read what others have written about salvation, I hear or read a common misunderstanding about the action of salvation over and over again. Perhaps even you're here this morning and you have this understanding of salvation. Here it is. Many Christians think of the action of salvation as a one-time transaction between God and us. They think of it as a transaction that occurs one time in which God contributes grace and we contribute faith. Now, I don't know much, but I do know a thing or two about transactions. At 2.30 today, I'm going to go into Trader Joe's for my eight-hour shift, just like I have every other Sunday afternoon for the past year. And for a large portion of my time there, I help customers check out at the register. Now, it would be easy to think about the action that occurs at the register as a transaction. Trader Joe's contributes the delicious goods The customer contributes their money, and culinary salvation occurs right there in line. It's a transaction. Okay. However, what I'm suggesting to you is that the action of salvation should not be thought of as a transaction. Instead, I want you to think about the action of salvation as an interaction. Not a transaction, but as an interaction. I'm going to give you a little insider information about Trader Joe's this morning. Uh, It's been a while since I've talked about Trader Joe's up here, so just bear with me for a second. This is the the kind of information that you're only going to hear like on a Trader Joe's podcast. So uh, you're privy to some insider information this morning. As a crew member of Trader Joe's, I am trained and encouraged to do everything in my ability, using my words, my actions, my personality, to make the customer experience at the register a personal interaction and not just a transaction of goods. This is how we're trained. And it's the difference between the customer experience at another grocery store and the customer experience at Trader Joe's. And if you know Trader Joe's, then you know what I'm talking about. Similarly, I want us to stop thinking about salvation as just a transaction of goods and to start thinking about it as a personal interaction. Because that is exactly what it is. 
Salvation must only be understood as having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. One that began in your past, continues into your present, and is not going to end anytime soon. Listen. Grace has a face, and his name is Jesus. This is why Paul says that the action of salvation is not from ourselves. It's God's gift. God's gift to the world is a person. His one and only son. Jesus Christ is the grace of God incarnate. What is the grace of God? It's Jesus. Grace has a face. And faith is simply trusting in Jesus for our salvation. You cannot have a relationship without trust. It's the basic foundational building block to any relationship. And the same is true with our relationship with Jesus Christ. It's all predicated upon trust. That's what the relationship is built upon. I said this, believe it or not, it may have even been this Sunday. I I need to go back and look because it was spring of 2006. But I said this the Sunday I interviewed here at Southside 15 years ago. I said on every page of this book, God asks us the same question. Will you trust me? The invitation is on every page. Will you trust me? And you see, that is not a one-time transaction. That is a lifelong interaction. Watchman Nee, uh, perhaps you've heard his name. He was a Chinese evangelist, author of uh, many books on the spiritual life. Here's a quote of his. He wrote, The Christian life from start to finish is based upon the principle of utter dependence upon the Lord Jesus. That's so good. And it's a great definition of faith. From start to finish, it is our utter dependence upon the Lord Jesus. The Greek word for faith means so much more than just our mental assent or our decision to believe or our agreement with a certain set of teachings. If that's all it meant, then it'd be okay to think about salvation as a transaction, something we could maybe check off a list. However, the word for faith means to trust. It means to put our confidence in. Literally, and I really like this definition, 
It means to rest upon. I don't know about you, but I don't sleep very well on airplanes. Uh, never have. Uh, and, you know, I have, I've really flown a lot, and I have flown a lot of long-distance flights. And so I'm working from a pretty large sample size when I say this, um, partly because I'm six foot five, and um, I don't think uh, they made airplanes with a long leg in mind. Uh, and so I have never been physically comfortable on an airplane. However, as I uncomfortably sit in an airplane, I will often begin to think about this metal contraption that I'm in that weighs about 100,000 pounds and is moving at speeds close to 700 miles per hour at a distance of about seven miles from the surface of planet Earth And I tend to look around at all those who are peacefully resting around me. And I think in sheer amazement, really? How can you so fully and confidently rest on this airplane? If everyone wasn't already asleep, I would turn into Billy Graham because... I want to ask all the non-believers on the plane, really? This airplane is what you're going to have faith in? Yet it's a great illustration because the invitation of faith is to rest confidently, is to rest peacefully, is to rest our entire weight our full selves, our past, our present, our future, our mistakes, our failures, our successes, our everything upon the Lord. Faith is to rest confidently in Him. I love what one author writes. He says, faith has an adhesive quality to it. Faith is about personal attachment to Jesus Christ. And you see, we distort faith when we turn salvation into a one-time transaction. Because then faith becomes nothing more than our way to gain salvation. However, when we understand salvation as a lifelong interaction, then faith becomes the relational glue. Trust is the foundational building block to any relationship. Faith is what joins us to the God of our salvation. You see, faith is not about gaining our salvation, but joining the one who saves us. And this brings us to verse 10. And 
In this verse, Paul perhaps gives us the best way to understand our salvation in all of his writings. He says to think about salvation as creation. Think about salvation as creation. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That is salvation. There are two words here that speak about creation. The noun translated as workmanship and the verb translated as created. You see, Paul intentionally concludes this trilogy with this verse because Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 10 is bracketed by an important verb that Paul will then heavily emphasize in the second half of this letter. And when I say heavily, you'll see it's heavily. It's the verb to walk. It's his favorite verb in the second half of this letter. And uh, it's a Hebrew idiom for your way of life. In verse 1, he uses it in this way. He says that you used to walk. Actually, it's in verse 2. He says, uh, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to walk. Depending on your translation, it might say live. That's the, the Hebrew idiom is way of life. Literally, it means to walk, in which you used to walk. So in in verse, there at the beginning, you used to walk in transgressions and sins. But then in verse 10, you now walk in good works. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to walk, there's the same verb, to walk in good works. What happened? How did we go from transgressions and sins being our way of life to good works being our way of life? How does someone go from the walking dead to the walking good? What affects such a change in a person? Well, the only possible answer is the creative power of God. That's the only answer. Our God is the God of creation. And perhaps the best way to understand salvation is that the God of creation has created something new. Paul would say in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 15, Paul writes, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is new creation. Do you recall from last week these new words that Paul made up in verses 5 and 6 to describe God's action of salvation? Remember me telling you he had to make up words. 
to describe it. He uses three verbs. The verbs he, he uses are that God made us alive together with Christ. God raised us up together with Christ. And God seated us together with Christ. You see, this is the new creation that Paul's talking about. You together with Christ. Me together with Christ. Us together with Christ. The new creation is us together with Christ. It is a new and improved you. It is a better you, but not because of anything we've done. But because you are now with Christ. You are now God's masterpiece. You are his magnum opus. You are Michelangelo's David. You are da Vinci's Mona Lisa. Because you see, God's master plan from the very beginning... Paul tells us that it was beforehand, was to create you together with Christ to walk in good works. You are now part of God's masterpiece. You see, these good works, they're the, fr- they're, they're, they're the fruit and the evidence of this new creation, not to, not to secure our salvation or not even to prove our salvation, but we now walk together with Christ. We now do life together with Christ. And his way of life is to walk in good works. Only together with Christ can the walking dead become the walking good. Oh, we have a we have a full salvation. We don't gain our salvation through a one-time transaction. Instead, we join the one who saves us through a lifelong interaction. Grace has a face, and his name is Jesus Christ. And faith is resting trusting, having full confidence in him. And perhaps the best way to understand our salvation is as creation. 
Creator God has saved his best creation until last. It's a new creation. The masterpiece of God's creation is you together with Christ. Me together with Christ. Us together with Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we marvel at your written word. We marvel at the truths that we find here. We marvel, Lord, that you open up our eyes, that you continue to create in us hearts for you, hearts that are humble, hearts that desire a lifelong interaction with your son. We just marvel at your work, at your creative work. You are an awesome God. And today, Father, we, we, we gather together with Christ as the masterpiece of your creation. And we, we worship you, we thank you, we praise you for all that you've done. We're thankful, Lord, that we can put our old condition in the parentheses of our life. We're thankful, Lord, that we can live from a new position in Christ. Lord, we just give you praise for our salvation. Lord, continue to teach us. Continue to open us up to this relationship that we have with your son. We want to fully rest in him. Thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. This morning, I, I just want to encourage you, as I suggested every page of this book does, that you put your faith in Jesus Christ. It's, 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 what, it's what everything is all about. Nothing else that happens in your life matters for anything compared to that decision. Compared to beginning that lifelong relationship with Jesus Christ. So I just want to encourage you, anyone here who's not started that relationship with him, we'd love to be a part of that with you. We'd love to, for you to put your faith in him through baptism, begin that relationship. He loves you. And he wants to be in relationship with you for all of eternity. This morning, if there's any other need or desire that you want to bring before the congregation, we're going to sing a song of invitation. Let's stand together and sing.